Hello, welcome back to part two with Henry Holland. Um, here you go. Tell me a bit about growing up in Ramsbottom. You know, mm. you're one of the things I love about you is you are relentlessly positive. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Was that always the case? No. Right. Growing up in Ramsbottom was not, it uh, wasn't all bad. I mean, school was bad. I wasn't, I d- didn't have much fun at school. I went to an all boys school at first. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a private all boys school. And I went there when I was eight and the female teachers told us to call them sir because it was easier. What? Quote unquote. Yeah. Okay. That's because cute. there was only two female teachers in the whole school. So they were like, and you everyone would be like, oh, sir. Oh, sorry, miss. And they'd be like, I'll just call us sir. So we used to call female teachers sir. That is so- I just disliked the whole thing. But it was a sort of family tradition. All of the men in my family had been. Right. Started at the senior school and just got relentlessly bullied for being gay. Mm-hmm. So were you out? I thought bullies. No. Right. But I love bullies can sniff it out before before you can, I'm sure. Yeah, they really they just They really can. I was. There was six cents for it. Well, I was, you know, captain of the gymnastics team, but. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that wasn't fun. And then I moved schools to a mixed school, kind of a bit in a, in a different part of town. And then I met my best friend, who's still my best friend, who I ran House of Holland with for 15 years. Amazing. So on our, my first day at that school, we became best mates. And then when I started the company, I phoned her up. She was working at a model agency and I was like, you need to quit your job and come and work with me. That was the, she was the heart and soul of the business. Our relationship was, you know, the joy that you saw in everything we did, I think. And then you're obviously sort of having this kind of uh, new chapter. Is it? I didn't say second act because I think that would play into an annoying trope that you're supposed to do everything you can do between the ages of 21 and 33, and then it's just, you know... Yeah, game over. Game over, which is really not true. Like, what happened with House of Holland? So, in right at the beginning of the pandemic, the business was sold off to some to another person, so it still exists, it mm. still runs, it just doesn't have anything to do with me anymore. Right. Which... It's strange, but also, you know, everyone's just trying to make a living. I have no, nothing against them as people. Mm. I just can't look at it. Yeah, It's too personal for me. I've been working on it solidly for 15 years. I'd put every penny I'd ever earned back into it. You know, I'd worked my arse off and then it just got to the point where 
financially, we were going to have to go out for another round of investment. And I was just like, I am not up for it. Mm. I, I couldn't hand on heart, go out and raise money for that business with a belief in my heart that I was going to make it turn around and work again. I didn't have it in me. Yeah. And, and that is because what the pandemic ruined everything to do with costs for fashion. Personally, the way I look at it is it would gone through its life cycle as a brand. Mm -hmm. I think fashion is very cyclical. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we'd done amazing things with House of Fallen and we'd had the best 15 years and everything I did, I was super, super proud of and I loved it. And I built, I created the brand when I was 22. Mm -hmm. So it was a perfect reflection of me at 22. Mm -hmm. By this point, I was 38. Yeah. And I didn't want to go to a rave every three, three times a week. And I didn't want to be making clothes for, you know, the party set. It wasn't as authentic a reflection of who I was anymore. And it became more and more of a struggle to create something that felt true to the brand that I'd built, mm -hmm. but also true to me as a person. Because you evolve and you change. And also, it's it's important to say that isn't clear from the outside is that, you know, most clothes we buy are owned by huge companies who own six or seven of the big fashion brands or, you know, like a Marks and Spencers. Or, and then there's people who are doing interesting and exciting things. Anyone who's doing it on that level where it's just one person owned by themselves pretty much or set up by themselves. It's really, really impossible, isn't it? It's really challenging because, you know, on the one hand, you're there as a creative and you have these huge ideas and dreams and you know, you want to create these big shows and these amazing collections and tell these amazing stories. And the, the sad fact is a lot of those things cost money to execute. Mm. And I was able to kind of navigate that in, you know, in many ways. I, I had a real strong recognition for the fact that we'd, we had to do certain things to make the money to do the things that we love to do. Yeah, I was never you know, a snob about doing collaborations and partnerships or anything. And I always felt like it was building what we were doing rather than detracting. Mm. And that was how I sustained the business and built it. For 13 years, we didn't have any investment at all. And then after 13 years, we took on some investment. You forget that the creative side of things has to be backed up by the business side of things. Otherwise, they're just ideas. Yes. Ideas are just in someone's head until you have the, the, the create them and turn them into a reality. So when it did come to an end for you, like, yeah. how did that feel? Um, it was really heartbreaking in many ways, but I think the, the lead up to the, to the process of it was the hard part. Mm -hmm. I think at the moment when it got to that point and I was like, okay, I'm going to step back and you can sell it on. <clears throat> By that point, I just felt relief mm -hmm. because I wasn't, I hadn't really acknowledged how much I was carrying sort of stress and and responsibility and, and pain associated to it until that point, until it had gone. Mm. And then I felt like this kind of weight had gone. Mm. My shoulders dropped from here, which is where <laughs> they seem to live, to sort of back down here. And then I discovered ceramics in my kitchen pretty soon after that. So how how do you make decisions like that? like to step away and, and all that like are you someone who asks everybody do you talk to your husband do you do you wake up just knowing that you're going to do it um all of the above i think really 
I think I, you know, I asked everyone, I, I fought the decision as hard as I possibly could. I did everything that I possibly could for that not to be the decision financially. Mm. And then when it came down to it, I knew that the time was right and it felt right. Mm. You follow your, you know, I've always done everything following my gut instinct. And that's what gets me into a lot more trouble than gets me out of a lot more trouble <laughs> because I, I find it harder to listen to my gut when the answer's like step away, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, I look back on all of it with a huge fondness mm. and, and love for what I did. And it's very much about who I did it with. Mm. I look at the clothes and I think about the trips we were on when we were selling it or, yeah. you know, when we showed that collection in Shanghai mm. or when we, you know, we did Tokyo Fashion Week and they, they are, the clothes and the collections become these kind of triggers for these memories of just, you know, joy, yes. really. Yes. And then, you know, most people would have crawled under a rock and cried. Uh, <laughs> and I had the pandemic. Oh, right. Everyone was under the, everyone was locked away and nobody gave a shit that, you know, I'd gone under. There was plenty of other things to worry about. I was a afforded some breathing space. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You go and do like one ceramics class upload one photo and then suddenly that's a massive smash hit <laughs> oh, yeah, i know it's that, you sound like such a dick um yeah i so my initial plan i was like okay i'm just going to consult for other people i'm going to tell other people how to spend their money and not have to worry about the money side of things mm -hmm. I, th I thought that was the solution and then i didn't factor in that my soul needed to make things. Yeah. I needed a creative outlet. Yeah. I needed, and that, it wasn't just a creative outlet. So it was the making of, of things. And I'd always wanted to try ceramics. And so I had a few lessons with an amazing girl called Sinner. We'd actually been bought some of her plates as a wedding present. And then she messaged me on Instagram and I was like, oh, do you do classes? And so I started having these classes with her and then I um I just started ordering clay and materials to my kitchen and making things in the kitchen over over the Christmas holiday. That's so cool. But then, so weirdly enough, mine didn't turn into a multinational business. But uh, I was also doing loads of ceramics over lockdown because it was just it was it was creative. Like all the things I was yeah. working on had stopped. I was like, well, what am I going to do? Because I 
because I basically discovered air dry clay on Amazon. Because I was like, I don't know how you yes. fire anything. But w- were you using air dry clay? No, I was making it in my kitchen and then I was going to the studio to use the kilns. Ah, right. But not in a classroom. So I was still able to access the studio, fire everything, bring it back, mm. clean it, glaze it, and then take it back. So it was quite a long, laborious process to get the first things made. But yeah. And then I put them on Instagram. Um, and then this time it wasn't Sarah Moa, it was the head bio at Liberty, right? Correct. And yeah. ordered 600. Um, Yes, six hundred. She she messaged me on Instagram and she was like, "Oh, I'm lo- loving this. Can we get some bulbs?" And like, if you'd have sort of sat me down in a dark room and been like, "Okay, if you were going to do a ceramics business, where would you want to sell it?" You'd be like, "Liberty." Yes. Um, and so Bryony she called. She messaged me and was like, "Can I get some bowls?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course you can." But then I think because of my background, I kind of. I need to give some credit to my background. So because of my background, I shot a lookbook and made a line sheet and did my prices and, you know, I knew how to price things for a wholesale markup and all of those things that I'd learned, my transferable skills. Yes. And then I sent her the lookbook and the line sheets and she told me I could make some things more expensive. So I'm forever grateful to her for that. And, and then she was like, okay, I'll put together an order. And then the order came in and it was 600 pieces. And at the time I was me, myself, and I making these things. And I was like, holy. And so I I was like, okay, great. Wow. I'll make it happen in 12 weeks. I'll figure it out. And I was in, I was in a shared studio with five other ceramicists. And I basically was like, do you want a job? Do you want a job? Do you want a job? I was like, do you need that shelf? Do you need that shelf? Yeah. And I, there's still one of them that works with us today. Wow. And another one who left not long ago, but she, she moved back to Ireland. So again, it was just a really nice, you know, natural way to, to build something. Yes. Um, one of the things I think is really interesting about this podcast and talking to listeners and stuff is that a lot of people say that they feel like they're starting life too late um, mm. because they come out late or if they've been in for a long time in in <laughs> they've been in the closet <laughs> or they come out of it later yeah. i feel like i've we did this whole episode on like a guide to coming out which a listener asked us to make and um mm. so many people said you know like i feel like i i've wasted my life for want of a better description and i and, yeah. and it's something i feel really strongly about that unless you've just dropped dead there's still time mm. to do anything you oh, want yeah. to do. And that, and creativity particularly. There's an amazing uh, Anna Wintel quote. Oh, yeah. Which I think is so important. And she says, too soon nobody listens, too late nobody cares. Wow. And it, it applies so well to so many things, yeah. especially in what, in what we do. You know, there's so many things you can have an amazing idea and if no one's ready to listen to it. Yes. Yes. God. Doesn't go anywhere. Anyways, what what happened with you and from an outsider's point of view with House of Holland ending and starting the ceramics and it doing so well, I just want to know about your mindset in that space in the middle and how you pulled yourself up and went, come on, I'm going to do this because it's amazing. I mean, I'm not going to lie. My mindset wasn't always positive. You know, when it first, when there was elements of shame, mm-hmm. elements of embarrassment, and I do, you know, the fact that it was locked down and the world was on pause, 
it wasn't like I was having to kind of even leave the house, never mind go to events and feel like people were whispering about me behind their hands, mm. which I think was really beneficial for my mental health. Mm. Um, but then, you know, I was like, I was in my thirties and it wasn't like I was like, well, I'm going to retire now, mm. yeah. you know, or I, I just felt, I felt really strongly actually that I was ready for something new. That was one of the, one of the processes that led me to the decision of stepping away from House of Holland and it being sold onwards. I was ready to do something different. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that allowed me to do that was the way my career and House of Holland came about in that, you know, I didn't study fashion. I wasn't a, a five-year-old who'd been drawing dresses his entire life and was like, this is what I was born to do. If I don't do this, I, I you know, mm. I don't know what I'll do. I, I, I found myself working in fashion and then worked my ass off and, and loved it. Um, but I also felt like there was other things that I could have done. Um, and I was excited. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I got to the point where I was really excited to try something different. And I'm, quoting you and then you can correct me that first when you started actually you were like I'm, this isn't very good because you were trying to draw you were trying to paint on the ceramic and then you went and did some mm. research as to how you could get these colorful stripes and yeah because it's different layers of clay put on top of each other right yeah so i, th I think when i said earlier like i describe my creative work always with personality traits yeah and those are often bold playful and i I was trying to use glaze, you know, the more traditional ways of, of ceramics is to make something in a base clay and then fire it and then paint the, you know, the, the patterns on through using underglazes and glazes. And I tried that and it looked like a three-year-old had done it and not in a good way, yeah. not in the, you know, that naive, yes. you know, like sort of high art world way yeah. that you would, you would say, oh, that's great. Such naivety to it. No, it looked like crap. It didn't sort of feel like it reflected me. So then I, 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 yeah, I went away and I did lots of research and watched lots of YouTube tutorials. Great. I wish I had a much higher brow way of telling you how I taught myself to do it and discovered this technique called Nerokomi, which is traditionally a Japanese technique, utilizing colored clay to create pattern rather than glaze. Mm. And then I started making things with that and that. And I, you know, as soon as I saw the pieces come out the kiln, I was like, okay, that looks like I made it. Yeah. Um, and there was, and that was a gut instinct feeling of just knowing that that was right for me. Yeah. And what I love about that is underneath that is a real resourcefulness to stick to your self, your sense of self and be like, this isn't mm. me yet. And I'm going to research until mm. it is. And I think actually a lot of people including myself, sometimes divert away before that. I'll be like, that's not working and throw it out too soon. I often know in my head what I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not very good at sketching. I'm not a great drawer. So often it's it's more like it's the doing. Mm. I learn from doing quite often, yeah, especially in creative things. Um, so ceramic suits me quite well. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of planning involved, you know, it's not like you go away and you sketch for days and you plan. I often work with the clay and build shapes and, and things is that, as I'm going. Is that quite nice? Because you can just pick it up and start shoving it together yeah. and like go, okay, this is working, yeah. this is not. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really, and it's really, ice, it's, you know, it's really isolated. It's really meditative in that way that you're 
it only needs my two hands to create a pile, take a pile of mud and create something incredible, what I think is quite incredible. And, you know, with fashion, you don't, it takes minimum six to eight people to make a garment. Yeah. Yeah. Because you work with a mill to make the fabrics. You work with a factory to make the zips, the buttons, the clasps. Every fastening is made somewhere. Then you've to, you work with the mill to get the fabric. Then you work with the pattern cutter. Then you work with the machinist. And mm. then you, you know, it, there's a lot of people and a lot of processes involved. So it's really cathartic to, to be like, I made that. Yeah. You said that you, it's one of the only things that you would, you don't look at your phone for three hours when you're doing it. Oh, yeah. At least. It's like meditation almost. Yeah. I mean, that's why I got an Apple Watch, so I could still get my WhatsApps. <laughs> God forbid I not be connected. And God forbid I miss out on the group chat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My husband is known for being, like, as soon as a group chat started, it just says, David has left the group. <laughs> <laughs> what a man. Henry, you're great. Uh, I love that. I love people who are, one, relentlessly positive, two, relentlessly honest. Henry is both. An inspiration. Get in touch, everybody. Homo Sapiens on Instagram, Homo Sapiens Podcast on Facebook. Comments, questions, agony, uncles. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Next week, we've got Ginger Johnson on the show. Winner of RuPaul's Drag Race UK Series 5. Hello. Ginger is really interesting. I loved our chat. Ginger could be a therapist. Uh, Anyway, that's all coming up next week. Stay tuned. Bye for now. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.